0: Good evening and welcome back. It's been a short while since we've been together again at Shere. I hope you had a bit of a break in the winter. You stayed warm. We are in the process of discussing the halachas of Shmita, Shviyas, which is the current year. I did say we'll talk about Shmitas Ksafim this year but I'm actually going to push that off till the end of this year or maybe till next week because there's a few things that are of extreme interest I think would be nice to share but before we do that let's just recount a little bit what we discussed in the previous year it was four weeks ago so it's a little bit historic we discussed in the previous year the way one has to treat fruit perishviyas that arrive in this country or any country in Etzisro, how one has to treat them. They've got to be treated with kadusha shviyas. They've got to be, if they're eaten, if they're allowed to be eaten, then the remains have to be treated with kadusha shviyas. They can't be thrown away. They've got to be left left to rot, etc., etc. And it made life rather complicated. Now, here in Chutzlars, as we mentioned a number of times, if we do inadvertently have perishviyas or receive buy by perishviyas, then we have a problem how to deal with them. Not just because we have a problem how to deal with them, because we're not allowed to eat them at all. Most of the produce that there are in this country at the moment, which are from Aksisora, which has Ketusha to it, is svichin, as we've discussed. means that it's the area of schweiz which forbids us from actually partaking of those fruits and vegetables, and therefore, we really end up with a problem. You're going to have to take. If it's a a bag of potatoes, for example, you're going to have to leave that bag to rot. You can't return it back to the shop because it's, that's a, a a degrading the the shri, the kedusha shreis on the vegetables. You'd have to keep that bag of potatoes until it completely becomes inedible, which is a while and a little bit of a, a inconvenient thing to have to do. So we really need to be careful and try and prevent ourselves from buying. F- fruits and vegetables which have kadusha shvies. I do know my wife has been into the shops and uh, because we've sp- spoken about it enough she's actually checked the the labeling on the on the shelving of the labeling on the boxes and they do not match They will have labels on the shelf which says it comes from Spain and if you look on the box it will say it comes from from Etzisoro, or vice versa the, the labeling is not is not coordinated properly. It's not exact. And even on the boxes, you've got to make sure that it's the original box. So it's hard to know exactly. You can tell roughly from the dates. So you can see that uh, in Tesco and Sainsbury's, if you look on the date on the, on the little label, it'll say what date. The, the we're referring to, and then you'll know that it's today's fruits and vegetables, and you'll know exactly, more or less, exactly where it comes from. But do look. If you don't look at the label on the box, you're going to be making mistakes, Chas Do not trust the labels that are on the shelving themselves. Okay. The, I'm, I called today to see which vegetables are commonly found in this country from Yetzirah at the moment. And from the best of my understanding, the only, the only vegetables that we actually are regularly here in this country at this this point in time are peppers, radishes, and potatoes. So really do be careful. Peppers is something which is very easily um, often bought loose, often bought loose. And if you go to Sainsbury's and Tesco's and, and, and Morrison's or wherever you go, they are often loose in, in the boxes, and they do not have the correct labels. So do make sure. Sometimes in, in Sainsbury's, uh, maybe Tesco too, they have an English sticker on it, and that means it's, it's an it's an English pepper. <clears throat> but often they doesn't, and often they are Israeli. And if they are Israeli and you bought them inadvertently, you have to wait and eat until they rot. You put them in a bag, away, and you wait till they rot, and when they're completely rotten and they're not edible, you do not use them. Radishes as well seems to be in this country at the moment, imported from Etsy And the next one, which is more, most, most, uh, prevalent is potatoes. Potatoes is really often here, particularly small potatoes, and mini potatoes, but uh, from Metzisrol but you must check the, the source of all potatoes wherever you buy them from in the in the supermarkets or in the in the greengrocers to make sure that these are not Israeli. If they are Israeli, you're gonna have a real problem because it takes a while for potatoes to become inedible. Right, I want to move on before we discuss shemitas Sophim to three other areas of interest with regards to Schmidt. not so much practical but just of interest. There is always practical connotations to whatever we're, we're discussing, but it's not going to be so relevant to all of us on a day-to-day basis. As some of the other halakhas that we've learned, which are relevant to Shviers and Schmidt have been much more relevant. This is interesting, a b- b- little bit relevant, but not so relevant, but I still think it's worth our while discussing them. The first is something which we mentioned a while back in one of the shurim about the Problem of exporting Israeli produce is one allowed to export Israeli produce, and this is not so relevant for me and you because none of us are export, uh, none of us have an exporting company in Israel that exports Israeli produce. But where it is relevant is when it comes to Estrogen. Can we bring? And this is not so far in the future. It's not far away till, till Sukkot, and Pesach is just around the corner, and Sukkot is just a little bit further away. Sorry for breaking that to you, everybody. Don't worry, Pesach is still a couple of months away. So. We, we need to, to just understand the, the parameters of the discussion of whether one's allowed to bring a from Eretz to Khustar. So for example, I would like to buy an Israeli esteric, so I'm going to ask my son-in-law or my son who, or some relative or somebody from Shul who I know who's coming back, would you mind bringing the esteric for me from Eretz Rolf or Yomtev? Is that gentleman who's going to be bringing the esteric, he's not exporting in inverted commerce. He's now taking out a, a fruit which has Kedusha Shri's on it, and bringing it to Chutzloritz. Is that something which is permitted, or is it not permitted? Now, the halacha is quite clear that it's forbidden to take fruits from Etzishol to Chutzloritz. It's something which is forbidden. And whether it's forbidden in a a real shmita, a shmita which is biblically commanded, whether it's forbidden, Min HaTayur, only Midra Bonon, is a big discussion. The many uh, opinions who hold it's forbidden, Min HaTayur, it's the... (coughs) I'm trying to mute everybody, but I can't find everybody on my computer, so I apologize. Right. I think that's done the job. So there are many opinions in the Paschim, the Meshiv Dava, and the Ridvaz, and others who who are on the understanding that to export fruits and vegetables from Etzisroel is an Issa de raisa, forbidden biblically. Today, of course, Shemitah is only Drabonon, so it can't be more than a Drabonon. But the, there is an opinion of the Raivad, and the Chaznish says that's how we in our lokha that exporting is only a rabbinical. Now, the reason why it makes a difference to us whether it's biblically commanded or rabbinically commanded is if I have a discussion and, and a, a difference of opinion as to why I may, not ex, I, I may not export. And therefore, maybe I can rely on one of those reasons, which would therefore in certain scenarios allow me to export. That would give me a bit more room for maneuver. And that's really where the discussion starts. The reasoning behind why I may not export fruits from Doris in the year of Shemitah is a, a discussion in the Rishonim. Rashi says the reason why I can't export it is because we have an obligation to be mevaya, to remove shmita from the home. If I send it to Chutzlar, I can't remove it. I can't fulfill the mitzvah of beer, And therefore, one's not allowed to export to ensure that the mitzvah of is going to be fulfilled. The Raibit says that that's not the reason why we can't export. Well, the reason why we can't export is because in Chutzlaritz there's going to be much more fruits and vegetables which don't have Kedusha Shriyas. And there's a very high chance that these fruits that you're exporting, which have Kedusha Shreis, are going to end up becoming mixed up with fruits and vegetables that do not have Kadusha Shreis. And we could end up mistreating those fruits and vegetables, which do have Kedusha Shreis, because they're now mixed with fruits and vegetables that do not have Kedusha Shriz, And they'll end up being treated like vegetables that do not have Kedusha Shreis, which would be a disgrace and a bizarre for Kedusha Shriz. So to prevent that from happening, says a raibut, Chazal banned, this is a raibut that says it's only Ossimidra rabbanon. Chazal banned exporting fruits and vegetables from Antisor. The difference between those two reasons would be if you have an item that doesn't need bio, We won't discuss that now because it's not relevant. Or if we have an item that's already had bio fulfilled with it. You've already been required. You've sent it out and you made a Hefka. And somebody picked it up and then wants to export it to Chutzlaret. According to Rashi, that would be permitted because the only reason why I can't export it is because there's a Mitzvah's bio. There's no mitzvahs beer here, or it's been fulfilled already, so therefore it will be permitted. And according to the raibut, it will still be awesome because I would worry that maybe these fruits and vegetables would end up being mixed up with fruits and vegetables for chosloritz, and, and therefore, by default, become mistreated. But there's a third reason why one doesn't export from Ertzishol, and that is because there's a mitzvah for, Israel, for Shemitah fruits to be eaten in Ertzishol. Schmitter fruits are there so that the population, the poor people, can have what to eat in Etzisroel. It's not made for Chutzloritz. And by taking it out of Etzisroel to Chutzloritz, you are some way degrading the pastries because you're not allowing them to actually be fulfilled, to have their primary purpose to be fulfilled, which is to be eaten in Etzisroel. And therefore, using the third reason, we end up with a very interesting scenario. It could be that something which is grown for the primary purpose of exporting, never was never grown to be eaten in Eretz maybe there's a leniency here, maybe we can be a bit more lenient and allow it to go to Chutzloritz. Or something where there's an abundance of in Eretz and it's not going to be completely consumed in Eretz because there's too much of it. Then maybe there'll be a header to send it to Chutzloritz. Or we have the third option, which is something which is used when it comes to Estrogium, that if it does come to Chutzloritz and we send it back so they can be eaten in Eretz and we've, we've actually covered ourselves when it comes to the third reason. So the main reason why we allow Israel to come to Chutzlau, which is probably because of the third reason, that there's an abundance in Etz plenty of Israel in Etz for the Israelis. It's grown specifically with the intent to export it. And also we often send them back. And Since we send them back, so therefore, it's not considered fruits that are not going to be consumed in Etzisro. So that gives us a little bit of a background as to why one is not allowed to export. I and mean, when you see the fruits and vegetables in the, in the supermarkets, and you understand that they're going to be bought by Jews and non-Jews who are going to mistreat them. We really do understand why it's wrong to export fruits and vegetables from Etzisro. The next section which I want to discuss is the halacha of Trumus and Maestrus. The halacha of Trumus and Maestrus when it comes to Peri Normally, fruits that are grown in Etzisoral have to have Trumas and Maestres taken from them. There's a number of halachas relevant to fruits in Etzisoral. For example, you have to take Trumas and Maestres. There's halacha of Arla. Fruits that are grown in the first three years are forbidden to be eaten. The fourth year is Netaravai, It needs to be redeemed and then, then consumed. Do these apply to kedusha Shri's parents or not? Is as follows. When it comes to... Arla and Neta Rivai, that doesn't make a difference if it's Kedusha Shviz or not Kedusha Shviz. If it's fruits grown in Antisor and it's less than three years, that the tree is less than three years old, it's Arla, forbidden to be eaten, even in Shviz. If it's Revai, it has to be redeemed and eaten with Kedusha's Neta Rivai in Esh Yisrael, even in Shviz. Where there is a difference is Trumas and Maishas. Fruits which have Kedusha Shviz are exempt from having Truma and Maishas separated from it. So if you have an orchard of orange oranges and it's a uh, Shrez and you allow them to be hefka, etc., and you, you leave them as Kedusha Swees, and they now have Kedusha Sweez on them, and you let's let's talk about it's a thing, and you distribute it. The bastion distributes it to, to the population to be able to be consumed the Kedusha Swees, there is no need to take tromosomyces from those fruits. Question is why? Why is it forbidden to take tromosomyces why not forbidden? Why does one not need to take Trumas and Maestres from fruits that have Kedusha Shviz? So Rashi tells us that the reason why you don't need to take Trumas and Maestres from fruits that have Kadusha Shviz is because fruits that have Kedusha Shviz are Hefka. They, they have no owner. They're ownerless. And fruits which have, fruits and vegetables that have no owner, which are Hefka, are potter from, from Trumas and Maestres. Nothing to do with Kedusha Shviz. Anything around the year, if there's Hefka fruits and Meisters, Hefka fruits and vegetables, you do not need to take trumusomais on them. If after Gemamaloch, which we'll come back to in a moment, after Gemamalocha, the fruits and vegetables are still hefka, there's no need to take trumus and mysters. Therefore, shweez, which by default means that those fruits belong to everybody, they are hefka. Therefore, there can be no no din of schmitta on those fruit, no din of trumas and on those fruits and vegetables. Taisus gives a different reason. Taysis says the very fact that they have Kadusha Shvis exempts them from nothing to do with the fact that they don't have an owner where would this be relevant if I could find you a case of fruits of shviz that are grown in an orchard or in a field with kedusha shviz but do have an owner and are not hefka would we then say you have to take trumes and or would we say you do not need to take trumes and now you may think that's a far-fetched scenario but in fact it's extremely relevant because we've discussed in the past few shurim, and that's why we have to wait till the end to be able to discuss shurimus and and, and what, we're, what we're going to talk about today. We've discussed in the past the, the different types of fruits grown in Israel which do have and don't have Kedusha Shvi'as. One of the areas that we discussed was known as Yibul nahri fruits that belong to fields, that fruits are grown in fields that belong to a non-Jew. That's called Yibul nahri Yibul Nocherit, as we mentioned, is a discussion, a, a, a difference of opinion between the B'Syosef and the Mabit as to whether they have kedusha or do not have kedusha This discussion is based around this very question. And the question arose, does fruits that are grown in fields that belong to a non-Jew in the year of Shemitah, do they need to have trumas and maestres taken from them or do they not need to have trumas and maestres taken from them? He comes along to and he gives me two reasons why fruits grown in a field of a non-Jew in Eretz you have to take Trumas and Maishas even in the year of And the first reason he says is what we've discussed in the name of the Bess Yosef and he says that Yibul Nachri does not have at all. Any fruits that are grown in an Eretz but in a land owned by a non-Jew does not have Kedush Yisrael. And if it doesn't have Kedush then of course you need to take Trumas and maishas. Secondly, he says, even if you're going to tell me it does have Kedusha Shviz, but Rashi says the only reason why something with Kedusha Shviz is absolved from the obligation to take Trumas and Maistress is only because it's Hefka. It has no owner. But this, these fruits and vegetables that are grown in a land owned by a non-Jew belong to the non-Jew. They do have an owner. And therefore, Trumas and Maistris needs to be taken even if they have kedusha HaShviz. Now, where is this relevant? Let me just tell you a couple of uh, uh, basic halachas of Trumas and, and and we'll come back to the case of Yubel Nochi. Now, when it comes to Trumas and Maishas, it's there's a halacha that if something's grown by a non-Jew, and the Gemam halacha, that means the process, the final processing of those fruits and vegetables, are done by the non-Jew, there's no need to take Trumas and Maishas anyway, any year, nothing to do with shmita. So fruits and vegetables grown in a non-Jew's field and picked by a non-Jew and then exported to the shops by the non-Jew, doesn't have a din of troubles anyway. Where is this relevant? It's relevant for grapes and olives where we often have people harvesting the grapes and olives and then that's not considered the Gemma Malacha, that's not the end of the process because those olives and grapes are going to be then pressed and turned into wine and into oil. So if we have olives and grapes for example grown by a non-Jew in Schmitter grown by a non-Jew in his own land during shmita, And those olives and grapes are going to be then bought, not bought, yes, bought by a Jew to make wine and oil. So the gemara Malach is done under the Jew. Then we have a problem. Do we need to take Choms or do we not? Says the bes Yosef, 100% we do. Because it doesn't have Kedusha Shviz, because it was grown in a field of a non-Jew. And secondly, even if it did have Kedusha Shviz, there's an owner here. And traumas and Meisters is obligated when there's an owner. The only reason why we are absolved during Schmidt is because there's no owner. It's ownerless. It is, in this scenario, it's not ownerless. Comes along to my bit and he says, no, Bashyasov, you're wrong for two reasons. The first reason why you're wrong is because Yibel Nochi does have Kedusha Shviz, and that's that machlekis that we've discussed in the past a number of times. So therefore, if it has Kedusha Shviz, we're Potter. And secondly, he says, don't tell me that even if I ask Kedush Shriis, I'm Chayev, because there is an owner here. No, we Paskin like so The reason why you don't have to take Trumas and Maestras when there's Kdusha HaShvies is not because it's ownerless, but because it has kedusha HaShvies. That itself absolves me from having to take Trumas and meistres. And therefore, the Mabit held, you do not need to take Trumas and Maistres. Chaznish says, what do we do in Yibbul Nochri? We have a problem. What do we do? So the Chaznish says you should take trumas and without a bracha. You should take trumas and without a bracha. So if you're in Etzisarol and you're eating in your Yerushalayim fruits and vegetables which are grown in land belonging to a non-Jew, which, will, which, which is very common in your Yerushalayim, extremely common, because the bedatz in your Paschal is like the Bishas of it, doesn't have Kedusha and you will find it there. Then you must make sure that Shumas and have been taken. If you bu- buy from a reputable... Heksha, then you can assume they've they've uh, separated and if you haven't bought it from a place with a beautiful hersha, then make sure you take traumas and Meisters yourself, but without a brocha. Why without a brocha? Because we always have the Mabit to to rely on and to for us to make it a sophic bracha, because according to the Mabit you don't need you do not need to make a brocha. But this brings up a, a very interesting question. So I'm gonna take traumas and Meisters. I've got my Yibel Nahi, I'm gonna take Trumasomaites. We have a a, a a halacha which is well known that in the six years which are not shmita, year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, and year six. In year one and year two and year four and year five, we take Trumas and Meister's, and we take what's known as ma'isasheni. So we take truma, ma'isarishon, and ma'isasheni. In year three and year six, we take truma, Trümmer, truma, of course, ma'isarishon. But we don't take Maisha, we don't separate Maisha Shani, we separate Maisha Oni. Maisha Shani is fruits that have to be taken to Yerushalayim to be eaten. Maisha Oni is fruits that are given to a poor person. So year one, two, four, and 5, we take Maisha Shani and we take that to Yerushalayim and eat it. In fact, we redeem it. And year 3 and 6, we separate Maisha Oni and he goes to the poor person. What do we do in the Shemitah year? Do we take Maisha Shani or do we take Maisa Ani? Rumor tells us that because it's a problem, because we don't know what to do in the Shemitah year, so you should take Maisa Oni and then take Maisa Shemi as a khumra. The, our other Akhraini would disagree with that. And they say in a much simpler way. You take Maisa Shemi, and then when you've taken my sheni, you then say, if this year is a year which I do not need to take my Sashani, I want those fruits which have made my Sashani to be my because it can't be both. So I can actually use the same fruits. Whereas Rama says I should separate twice. According to the Akhrainim, I don't need to separate twice. If I take my sheni first, then I can turn that as a doubt, as a, as a, since it's a Suffolk, I can turn that into my Sashani. If it's not MySusheni on a Tanai on, on a condition if I spell it out, if this is not Myesashani, then I want it to be My Where this is a little bit more relevant is if you rely on Hetemachira. Those are people in Hetisrol or here who go and visit Hetisrol who rely on Hetemachira. Now Hetemachhira, as we discussed, is fruits grown in Aetisrol in Israeli land, owned by Jews, but sold for the purpose of Shemitah to a non Jew, but the work is done by a Jew. The owner does all the work. So here we have maybe fruits and vegetables belonging to a non-Jew, but the work has been done by a Jew. So we now back to our original question. Do I need to take tromosomesis? Do I not need to take tromosomesis? According to the Bish Yosef, I do not need to take tromosomesis if I say hetamichia works, but then I have a sophic. Maybe it doesn't work. And I do need to take tromosomesis sorry, it, again, according to myself, I do need to take Tromsom Aishas, if it works, but if it doesn't work, I do not need to take Tromsom and, and then we have the Mabit, who, if the Mechir works, I still do not need to take Tromsom Aishas, because, according to him, it's called Ketusha Shviz anyway. And even if it doesn't work, I for sure don't need to take Tromsom So, Hetemechir actually mm, brings us into a little bit more of a quandary when it comes to Tromsom and, and I think those who do rely on Hetemechir do take Tromsom but they take it, without a brocha, they take it as a soft. So those are two areas that I want to discuss with you, which were relevant to what we've discussed up until now. The halacha of Trumas and Maistris, and the halacha of removing fruits from Eretz Yisrael. What I want to share with you now is something which is not relevant to halacha. It's just a piece of very, very interesting information relevant to shmita. Two pieces of extremely interesting information relevant to shmita. How do we fix the year of shmita? How do we know that this year is actually Schmitta? Who tells us that? How did we work it out? Now, you're looking at me and you say, well, you opened up the Mishana Lashana and you said there's a Shemitah year, which is true. But reality is, how did we get to this piece of knowledge and this calculation that this year is actually a Shemitah year? And that's very, very interesting because it's not so clear how to work out the Shemitah year. Let me give you a bit of a background In the calculations, it's not complicated. So anybody who doesn't like maths, do not get nervous. It's really not complicated, but it's extremely interesting. The Gemara tells us, well, let's start from the beginning. We know that the POSIC tells us that six years are years where we work on the field. And the seventh year is when the year the the fields lie lie fallow. And that's known as the Schmitter year. We know that there's a cycle of six and one. We also know that we have another cycle running alongside it which is the cycle of seven sevens, meaning once I've gone through the cycle of six years of work, one year fellow, I start that cycle again. And when I go through seven cycles of six years of fellow, six years of work and one year of Schmidt, and now I've been through seven Schmitters, I then have what's known as yovel, in the Torah. We don't have Yoival nowadays because we don't have the majority of Claudius or living in Etzisoral, but according to most Bosque most, most opinions. But today... But in the time of the Posth, in the time of when Khalid lived in Etzisro, we would have a double cycle running alongside each other. It will be six years and one year of Shemitah. Seven times six years, seven times the cycle of six and one will bring us to the 50th year, which is a year of Yoav. Now there's a, a machleich, a very big disagreement in the Gemara, or actually in the Mishnah, as to this 50th year, Right, We've been through a cycle of six and one, six and one, six and one, seven times. And we're now in the 50th year, which is Yovel. Does the Yovel year double up as year one of my next cycle of Schmitter? Or is Yeovil a year unto itself and I only start my next cycle the next year? Which would mean, if I say I don't double it up, if I say that it's a separate year, so I will have 49 years, which which are these... The 49 years of the cycles of seven times seven, seven years, and then another seven years, which is seven Schmitters. I have my 50th year, then I'll start again, year one of my next set of cycle. And seven years later will be Schmitter, and I'll carry on. 49 years will be Schmitter, 50th year will be yovel, and so on and so on. If I say that, no, I have 49 years is my cycle, and the cycle is never longer than 49 years. It's just that the first year of the next 49-year cycle is yovel. But my Shmita is going to be six years later, not seven, which therefore means, in effect, that Yovel is every 49th year and not every 50th year. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda in the Gemara. The Chachovim disagree and they say, no, it's 49 years plus one. According to them, Yovel is every 50th year. Which of course you immediately understand is going to have enormous ramifications as when we fix the year of Shemitah. Because if Yoeval is every 50th year, then Shemitah is going to be seven years later. If Yoeval is every 49th year, Shemitah is going to be a year earlier. So how do we pass in Do we pass in like a Behuda? Do we pass in like a Chachomim? So in most Rishonim say we pass in like a Chachomim. And that's commonly known, and that's how we commonly teach it in school, that 49 years is the cycle of Shemitah, 50th year is Yaeval, and then we start the cycle again. But interest, interestingly enough, the Rambam does Paskin like Rabbi Huda, and he says that we have a cycle of 49 and a cycle of 49 and a cycle of 49, which therefore should cause us a little bit of a headache. How do we work out when Schmidt was and is and is supposed to be now? Where we have a little bit of a redeeming factor here that the Rambam himself says, but the Messiah, though he thinks the halach is like a the Messiah, that means the accepted Messiah in Khalisar, is, is like the calculation of the Chachamim. Some say the Ramah meant to retract from his original p'sak of passing in like a and he also agrees with Pasan al Chachamim. So at the end of the day, we all agree that the cycles are 49 plus 1, 49 plus 1, 49 plus 1, and that's how we, that's being the Messiah in Khalisar, and that's what we do, and that's what the halacha is today. But where we do have a problem is when was Schmitter for us to be able to know when Schmitter is today. I mean, in order for us to be able to calculate Schmitta today, we need to know going back in history a date that was definitely Schmitter. And with the Chobun Abayis it makes that difficult for us because we don't have written documentation as to when Schmitter was which years were Shemitah in the time of the Beis Amikdash, except for one piece of Gemara. But the Gemara tells us a fascinating thing. The Gemara tells us that the Chorben Habayis, the second Beis was destroyed in the year following Schmittah. So if the second Beis Amikdash was destroyed in the year following Shemitah, so we should be able to then work our way from there to today, where we are today, and work out. If that was a Schmittah, count seven years, count seven years, count seven years, and then we'll be able to work out when Shemitah is. Now everybody agrees Everybody agrees that the second basic was built in the year three thousand four hundred and ten from creation. That's fine, there's no disagreement with that. But where we do have a disagreement between Rashi and Tam is what year did the Base of Mikdush, was the Base of destroyed? And we know the Base of and the second base of Mikdush stood for four hundred and twenty years. But there's a, a disagreement between Rashi and Tam. Whereas according to Rashi The Beis was destroyed in the 420th year, which means it was destroyed in 3829 years from the created world. Or was it in the 421st year? Was the base standing for a full 420 years? Or was it standing for 420 part part of 420 years? I mean, it was 419 years plus a few months. Was it? destroyed in the 4th, 420th year, was destroyed in the 424th year, which means, according to Rashi, it was destroyed in the year 3829, and according to Rabbeinu he was destroyed in the year 3830, which therefore means, according to Rashi, if the Besamekish was destroyed in 3829 from the created world, then Schmitta was in the year 3828, 3828, because the year before we know was a Schmitta year. According to Rabbeinatam, if the Besamik's was destroyed in the year 3830, then Schmitter was 3829, which would mean that our calculations are going to be out by one, depending if we are going to follow the opinion of Rashi or the opinion of Rabbeinatam. Now, just to complicate matters, there's a huge Machlechus, who do we follow? Do we follow Rashi? Do we follow Rabbeinatam? So actually ascertaining with certainty which year is Schmitter is not something which is so clear except that we have a messiah in Chal that we follow the halacha of the Shulchan Archa and the Ramah. And in this case, the Shulchan Archa and the Ramah both agree that we follow the opinion of Rabbein not Rashi. Which means that the halacha tells us that the Beis Amikdus was destroyed in the year 3830. schmitter was the year 3829. So we now need to calculate from the year 3829 to where we are to work out when Schmitter is. So if you make a calculation we are now in the year 5,782 from the created world. If Schmitta was 3,829 in the Benetan, the year before his Churban Habayis, comes out we are now 1,952 years away from the Choban, which means we're now 1,500, 1,953 years away from the last Shemitah, just pre- the distraction of the Mikdosh. If you take 1953 divided by seven, you get 279, which means that we are now in the 279th year. It's a perfect division. It's a perfect, if it's a perfect division in, with the number seven, that means we are now in the seventh year following a cycle from the year before the Chorban of the law of the Bayesheini up until today. We are in, in the cycle of seven years, seven years, seven years, seven years, seven years, seven years, seven years without a break because one thousand, 953 divided by 7 beautifully into 279. So we are now the, the 279th Shemitah since the Chobun Habayis, well, since the year before the Chobun And therefore we know, following the opinion of Rabbeinu Ta'am, that we are now a Shemitah year, which makes life very interesting for us because we're, we're all keeping Shemitah and the whole of Kalisot is keeping Shemitah now, but it's not a black and white halacha. to Rashi, Shemitah should have been probably last year according to Rabbi and the way the Rambam passing like Rabbi his initial we were way off. Our cheshmer is completely off. So exactly where Shmita is is so unclear. But yet it shows us the beauty of Kadisro. How we've accepted the halacha, we've accepted the Messiah of the Shulchan Archa and the Yerimah. We, we follow the opinion of Rabbi We know that, therefore, the last Shmita year was 3,829, according to Rabbi We know that's 1,953 years away from where we are today. Therefore, we now know that this year is a Shemitah year, without a doubt, and that is the halacha. And all the halachas that we've discussed are relevant because we're following the opinion of Rabenitah. And I think that's a fascinating fascinating thought when you think about the beauty of Kralisroel. Even though there's so many things which are unclear, but we can have the unity of Kralisroel, everybody together, understanding that this is the Messiah, this is when Shemitah is, and we all together are keeping kedushas shmita this year in Yisrael, even though according to Rashi, what we're doing is not completely correct. But that's the halacha, that's how Kali Yisrael follows, and that's fascinating. One more point I want to, want to make, which is relevant to this year. Gamora tells us in Masech Sanhedrin that the shmita year cannot be a leap year. The shmita year must not be a leap year. That's what Gamora Sanhedrin tells us. Gamora Sanhedrin, if you base on the base, Schmitter cannot be a leap year. You're therefore going to ask me, how on earth can this year be a Schmitter year and at the same time be a leap year? I think seven years ago was the same. It was a Schmitter year, and I think it was a leap year too. I may be wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But this year for sure is a Schmitter year, and it's also a leap year. How on earth can a, a Schmittah year be a leap year? If the Gemara tells us in Sanhedrin that a Schmittah year must not be a leap year. So let me give you three ways to try and reconcile what seems to be a contradiction between what we are currently doing to what the Gomorrah seems to be suggesting. (coughs) And the first reason is as follows. That perhaps there's nothing intrinsically wrong with a Schmidt year being a leap year, but the the Gomorrah is just instructing a based in, who are deciding which year to make a leap year because they need to make a leap year somewhere along the line in order to, to align the calendar. The Gemara is just an instruction to the Basin. If you have to make a leap year and you have a choice of making a leap year the year before Schmitter or the year of Schmitta, then make the leap year the year before Schmitter so that the, the, the Schmitter year will have one month less of people not being able to work on the fields. And it gives people more opportunity, gives people more, more ability to get back and quicker back to their land and start cultivating the land again. And therefore, nowadays, where the Luach is fixed, it's not relevant to us, uh, this concept of a bastion, unfortunately. Once it's fixed, it's fixed. And it can, in a fixed calendar, end up having Schmitter being a year. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a piece of advice to the bastion agogel when they are deciding which year should be the year. The Rambam has a very interesting understanding of the Gemara. Why a Shemitah year can't be a leap year. And that is because the Rambam says we're worried if we have a leap year, so there's an extra month in the year before Pesach. Pesach, we have to bring the carbon omer, which is from Bali. We also have to bring on Shvurs the Shteha Lechem, which is from wheat. And it's got to be wheat grown by a Jew, belonging to a Jew. That means grown in Jewish land. And therefore, if we have an extra month, there's a worry we're not able to work on the land at all, so the produce that we're going to be using for <coughs> for the carbon omer, excuse me, for the carbon omer or for the shter lechem, is going to be produce that was planted before. And therefore, there's a risk that by the time we comes to Pesach or to Shavuos, there'll be nothing left, and that's a real worry. So if we can minimize the time of the winter pre Pesach, so that we can make sure that there's barley produce and we can make sure that there is wheat produce available for the, those two carbonis, we should definitely be doing that. And that's why the Gemara tells us we do not make a Shemitah year into a leap year. But that's only relevant in the time that we have a Besa Mikdosh. Unfortunately, we do not have a Beis mikdash, And if we don't have a Beis mikdash, those two reasons are not relevant anymore. So therefore, us in Golos, having a year of Shemitah, which is a leap year, is totally fine. It does not contradict the Gemara at all. It could also be that the whole Gemara is only a suggestion, which is the Chathila But the Eved making a leap in a shmita is absolutely fine. It works. It's just a suggestion, the chatchila, to try and help farmers. But it's only a chatchila, not a bit of the Eved. It's an ideal. It's not something that is a must. And therefore, when they, when Hillel Hakatan made the calendar, he didn't worry too much about the shmita falling on a leap because. But yeah, but it's absolutely fine to have a Schmitter in a, a Leap Year in a Schmitter. And that's why we find ourselves right now in a Schmitta year, which is the leap Year. It makes an extra month of us to be able to keep Kadusha Shvitz, which is wonderful. It does make your life a little bit harder for the farmers because it gives them an extra month that they're not able to, to work and begin to cultivate their land. So the the, the amount of money needed by Karina Schweiz, for example, to keep funding those farmers is a lot more this year in this shmita, because we have an extra month that we need to actually feed them and enable them to have Hanasa. that's uh, uh, I thought, was something very interesting for us to understand with regards to shmita this year. I, I'm not going to start the next subject of shmita, which I would like to leave for two weeks' time. And that's the, the subject that we should be promised we talk about, the halachas of Shemitah's Ksafim, how one approaches shmita with regards to loans, because very much the Torah tells us that... Uh, this is a manner of shmita. every creditor that lends anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall shall not demand it of his neighbor or his brother because he has proclaimed a shmita to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we see very clearly here, there's a new area of shmita which we haven't touched upon, the area of loans and how loans become nullified and absolved through the year of Schmidt and the Shem in two weeks' time we will come back and we'll go through those halachas, which are extremely relevant to all of us. But I thought it would be nice to have a little bit of a break from too much practical halacha, just to hear some background, understanding behind the, the year of Schmidt, the concept of Troms and Meisters, the concept of of, um, of exporting and primarily the the calculations, how we actually get to this year being Shemitah, which I think is fascinating for all of us to know. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you back here in two weeks' time, the shame. all well, all healthy, and everything going as best as it can. Thank you very much for listening, and have a really good night. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. Very interesting. Interesting. Thank, Thank you. you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Can I ask something? Yes, of course. Thank you. If you leave Eric's show, and you want to, let's say, take an apple for the journey, can you eat that in the plane, or are you are not allowed so, to Once that? you're on the plane, you've exported it. Um, so you can't do that you shouldn't know. go and buy some and there's plenty of apples which are grown in the chutzlar in so they're a bit more expensive but that's uh, probably the best thing to do thank you Rabbi Greenberg yes you mentioned um, taking back in connection with Esroigim taking it yes. back to yes. Eritus are we in fact allowed to eat Esroig from Schmirs so it's it's not so straightforward uh, it has to be edible it's got to be allowed to them because otherwise we can't use it but it, it, you, it has to be edible. If you have uh, an asterisk which is not edible, has has an atomosomizer taken from it, it's, you can't fulfill your mission with it. No, yeah. yeah, but you said, for instance, about... Um, I, I I understood that you can't make jam on this... Uh, Only because it's got katusha shvies and, and asterisk maybe it's not the norm to make jam out that's of right. asterisk. So you, you can't use it. So you'd have to eat it like an asterisk, which is not so nice. And in order to get around this issue of eating in chustars and really should be eating at his israel some people send it back. So you, then, then you can eat it but you shouldn't. Best to send it back. Does it mean that it's better during the year of Schmitt huh, to buy food only from, uh, Yiddish the, the, stuff? The, uh, Bradley, the people who are sending a strike some of them that uh, are going to be importing from Europe, um, they've grown now in Spain. they, they planted a few years ago. Estrogium, which are the same Estrogium that they grow in Etz-Israel, and whatever they grow in etz they've started growing them in Spain, and they're going to be, hopefully, if it's a good crop they're going to be selling them here in Europe this this year, so that you don't have to actually bring Estrogium out from etz but it won't, it won't resolve the whole problem, because the amount of Estrogium we sell is enormous, and the amount that they're going to allow us to have is only going to be a small amount they tried it in California a few years ago and it never worked the California tried to grow the Israeli uh, raume in California. it just didn 't work. They were never successful. They only had a very small crop. But time will tell. The Morocco will be selling a lot of esra this coming year. The Italian esrogan will be on the market, and there will be some uh, oatszer based in the Israeli es brought under very clear, strict instructions and, and very small amounts will be coming out and to you England as well. You